What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are starting our redraft rankings. I'm going over the quarterback position and the running back position. So we'll start off with the quarterbacks. I'm ready to get into it. I'm going to give you guys tiers. I'm going to give them to you, my little quick synopsis on every player in order. We'll talk it out. We'll talk about schedule, risk, potential, if I'm even drafting the player, stuff like that. So we'll start it off. And no surprise, right, at number one at the quarterback position, I have Patrick Mahomes. He will be among the league leaders in total pass attempts, and he's also... One of the more efficient quarterbacks when you're looking at touchdown rate, yards per completion, all of that good stuff. He is just a beast. He he is. And I have him projected for 42 touchdowns, 44 total touchdowns with two rushing. I've got him at 25.5 points per game. That is the highest projected mark for me. And I don't always draft strictly off my projections because I always take into account risk, potential, and schedule. But Patrick Mahomes has... Very low risk, sky-high potential, and he has a green schedule. One of the only quarterbacks at the top of my rankings that has a good schedule. Now, if you draft Patrick Mahomes, what kind of advantage should you expect? If you have Patrick Mahomes in your quarterback one spot, you are on average, according to my projections this year, going to get a 2.1 point per week advantage over your opponent's quarterback. So, on average, you're getting two extra points per week by drafting Patrick Mahomes than your opponent will. So, that's decent. It's all right, but it's really not anything to go crazy for, which is why I'm not drafting Patrick Mahomes. Because I like the running backs, I like the wide receivers, and I like the tight ends in that area. So, I'm not going to waste a pick on a quarterback high. Now, my quarterback two, Lamar Jackson. He is not my most projected guy after Patrick Mahomes. I have him at 24.7 points per game. Last year, Lamar Jackson was at 23.8 points per game. So, a slight increase here, and it makes sense, because he's got an increase in weapons. Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace. Now, these guys are dealing with injuries, so it might be a slower start than we would hope for, But I think overall, Lamar Jackson is going to be better than he was last year. And last year, he was very good. So he's also one of those guys that's pretty consistent because of his legs. 80% consistency mark last year of getting more than 15 points. So 80% of the time, he got you at least 15 points. By the way, for Patrick Mahomes, that mark was 93%. So he was even better. Lamar Jackson has a middling schedule. He's orange on the draft sheets. In strength of schedule, I've got him projected for a total of 38 touchdowns. So he is my quarterback too. Now somebody I have projected for more total points than him, but I think is a little bit riskier, is Josh Allen. And that's my quarterback three. There's two reasons I think he's a little bit riskier right now. Josh Allen has a red schedule. He has a very tough schedule. He has the hardest schedule among the top eight quarterbacks in my rankings, by far. 
And not only that, but Stephon Diggs, who bases his game off of his route running and speed and quickness and agility, is dealing with some injury issues right now. Now, they're saying it's not too bad, but he's not really getting much working in practice. And we're not seeing him, we're not going to see him probably at all in the preseason. So, keep an eye on that, because without Diggs, Josh Allen takes a huge hit. Josh Allen last year had 26 points per game. I have met 25 points per game. I think he's going to get a, come down back to earth just a little bit, just a little bit, because he was madly efficient last year, and he got really lucky in a lot of situations. So Josh Allen is my quarterback three. But all three of these guys so far are in tier one for me. So I could see you, and I wouldn't blame you, for taking any of the quarterbacks in this tier first overall. There's two more quarterbacks in the tier. It's Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott. Kyler Murray I have at four. Now, I did have Dak Prescott a little bit higher, but with the injuries to the shoulder, I got to move him down. Plus, it stands to to show that they're probably not going to let him pass the ball 50 times per game like they did last year before he got injured. So, a lot of reasons to be slightly less on the Dak side more on the Kyler Murray side. Kyler Murray's got a great wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore looked pretty good in that first preseason game. Christian Kirk can open up the field a little bit. He's got a he's a good deep threat and honestly, he would have much better stats if he could just stay healthy. That's been probably his biggest issue in the NFL. So Kyler Murray's got a good set of weapons. Chase Edmonds, James Conner good enough to get it done. Chase Edmonds is a very good receiving running back. And Kyler Murray, most importantly, has his legs. Last year, he had, I believe it was, 11 rushing touchdowns. Yes, it was. This year, I have him projected for 8, a total of 35 touchdowns. I have him at 23.5 points per game. He's got low risk, sky-high potential, just like all the all four guys that we've talked about so far. Low risk, sky-high potential. And in regards to his schedule, Kyler Murray's got an orange middling schedule, just like Lamar Jackson. So now we'll look at Dak Prescott. I already talked about him a little bit. I have him projected to lead the NFL in passing yardage, lead the NFL in pass attempts, and despite that, he's not my quarterback one. So if those things don't come to fruition, and that's not even considering his injury risk, if those things don't come to fruition, then maybe he won't be as good. And I was one of those people, actually on Josh Allen and Dak Prescott, before the year that both of them broke out, I was all over them, and I was telling everyone, these are the two quarterbacks I'm drafting everywhere. I've got the receipts if you want them. And then they broke out. So I would be inclined to ride or die with Dak Prescott and Josh Allen. But I pride myself on being able to not be biased. And I don't think that Dak really has a shot, if all the quarterbacks are staying healthy, to be top three this year. Now, let me rephrase it because he is in tier one. He has the shot. But I don't think it's as realistic as everybody else seems to think. I guess I should put it that way. Plus, you got to consider his risk. He actually had a low risk rating for me. But with him still dealing with some injury and not practicing a whole bunch, I'm going to actually have to knock it up a little bit. He's a medium risk player for me now. So that's why he is the last person in Tier 1. Now we'll get to Tier 2 of the quarterbacks. And it starts off with Matthew Stafford. Stafford is going to show the world that he is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I actually, believe it or not, have Matthew Stafford projected to lead the league among quarterbacks in yards per completion. I just, I love the dude. He's been great. 
especially when you consider the context. Last year in the broken Detroit system with basically no Kenny Galladay, a banged-up Marvin Jones, Stafford coming off of an injured season, and a subpar offensive line, he had 12 yards per completion. He had almost a 5% touchdown rate. Those things go up this year, and Matt Stafford, who has a green schedule, is going to be great. He is somebody I am drafting. Like I said about Patrick Mahomes and not drafting him because I like the guys in that range and it's not that big of an advantage and you'll see when we get to different positions. But 2.1 points per game for the number one player at the position is probably not going to be too great. So Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, those guys in that tier, I'm also not drafting them. But Matt Stafford, who's going off the board around quarterback 10 to 12-ish, I am definitely grabbing him. He's my quarterback six. He is the best player in his tier. And you're getting him in the double-digit rounds. So Stafford is somebody I'm interested in. And somebody I love to pair him with is my quarterback seven, Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill now has Julio Jones. We all know this. Well, Ryan Tannehill is another person who's going to see some efficiency boosts, probably. Because despite already being pretty efficient since he's been in Tennessee... He's now got a elite wide receiver, and that's going to make a difference. Of course that's going to make a difference. Plus, he might have to pass more than usual. One, because they might be inclined to pass more now that Julio Jones has been added, but also because that defense is just not it. That defense is not where it needs to be yet. So they might have to pass a little bit extra. Plus, if the Jaguars are a little bit better, Carson Wentz gets healthy, and the Colts are a little bit better in regards to their offenses, and we still have to look at Houston, we don't know what's going on there, but in regards to those two teams in their division, if those offenses are better, then those games might lead to more pass attempts for Ryan Tannehill. So Tannehill, who's been a very good quarterback year in and year out since he's been with Tennessee, will do so again. He's being underdrafted by a couple spots, but he's late enough in the draft for me to grab him. So Stafford, Tannehill are the first two quarterbacks we've talked about that I'm actually drafting and I actually have on my teams. Then we have Tom Brady. Tom Brady is my quarterback eight, but I'm not touching him in fantasy. And I'm a Bucks fan. Why am I not touching him? Because while I'm pretty confident he's going to be a top 12 quarterback, I'm also pretty confident he won't be a top five quarterback. And when you're drafting quarterbacks, especially if you're drafting them inside of the top 12 picked at the position, they have to have the possible upside to be a top five, top three quarterback. Tom Brady does not have that at this day and age of the game. There are so many quarterbacks that run the ball. Running the ball is so much more valuable, whether you agree with it or not, in 90-something percent of fantasy leagues because 10 rushing yards is a point. It takes 25 passing yards to get a point. Plus, rushing touchdowns are worth more points than passing touchdowns. So that's why Tom Brady is extremely limited. Now, if you're in a pass-heavy point league where you get six points per passing touchdown and you get more points off like completions or it's only 20 yards per every point for passing yardage or whatever the case may be, then fine. Tom Brady's going to be good. Yes, he's obviously, I think he's going to be good anyway. He's at eight, but... He does not hold the upside needed for me to be taking him because right now he's being drafted pretty much at his ceiling. Also pretty close to his floor because his floor is super high with all the weapons and knowing he's going to throw the ball a lot. But no thank you on my very own quarterback, Tom Brady, this year in fantasy. 
Justin Herbert is my quarterback nine. I was actually surprised. I thought I was going to have him higher, but he was so good his rookie season. It's very hard to expect him to have a jump in efficiency, especially losing Hunter Henry and getting a new coaching staff. That's not going to make things easier for him. Trust me, it won't. Justin Herbert also was pretty good on the ground last year. He had five rushing touchdowns. That could easily come down this year as he's more comfortable and maybe stays in the pocket more. It might go up, but that's some unpredictability that we don't know about. So Justin Herbert, who has a middling schedule along with Tom Brady and Ryan Tannehill, because I didn't mention that, they all have orange schedules. Justin Herbert, somebody I'm not too interested in because he's also being drafted somewhat close to his ceiling. He's got more room to grow than Tom Brady does, but I just like Stafford and Tannehill, and you can draft them after Herbert. So that's why I don't have Herbert, and that's why I don't have Russell Wilson, who's my quarterback 10. The worst thing about Russell Wilson is the fact that he has the worst schedule for quarterbacks in the entire league. I told you Josh Allen had a red schedule. Russell Wilson has the dark red, the deep red, the zero out of five strength of schedule score from fantasy pros that is what you that's what you worry about now he's still going to be great he's an elite quarterback elite quarterbacks carve up defenses even when the defenses are elite but it's definitely going to hinder him a little bit and if the change in coaching staff leads to the Seahawks running the ball more often and not passing as much like they did the latter half of last season then you're going to see a dip in Russell Wilson's points per game so that's why I have Russell Wilson at 10 Jalen Hurts finishes off the tier. This is tier two at 11. Jalen Hurts is there because of one simple fact, upside. Last year, he ran the ball. If you only take the games where he was actually the starting quarterback, he ran the ball more times than Lamar Jackson did. He didn't run for more yardage, but it was close. He did, however, run more total times, more carries than Lamar Jackson, plus He was on pace for more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson. So he has that ability. He's probably likely to do it. He's got an upgrade at the wide receiver position with a healthy Jalen Rager who's making plays all over the place. And I know you might be saying, ah, Brandon, the Matt Harmon reception perception. It says that Jalen Rager sucked. He's such a bad route runner. Yeah, well, when you're hurt and you're only getting to play half of your rookie season, And once again, you're hurt and you lack confidence and you're not at the top of your game in the NFL where you must be at the top of your game. It makes sense that you wouldn't be a great route runner. So we could easily see that change this year. So he's got Jalen Rager now. He's got Devonta Smith. Dallas Goddard is going to be good as always. So he's got some good weapons, two upgrades at the wide receiver spot, and he's got the legs. He's got massive upside. The only reason he's at 11 for me now is because of the trade rumors. If you promised me Jalen Hurts is going to start the whole season, I would take him. I would draft him over Tom Brady, over Justin Herbert, and over Russell Wilson. He would be my quarterback eight right behind Stafford and Tannehill. That finishes off tier two. Now we'll talk about tier three. Aaron Rodgers starts off the tier for me. Last year was insane efficiency for him. He doubled his touchdown rate last year compared to 2019. He had a 9% higher completion rate, and all of that is going to come down. Those were career highs or very close to them, and 
he has not been close to those marks in six, seven years. So Aaron Rodgers, you can definitely expect his efficiency to come down. It's not even going to be close. Plus, he doesn't really have the rushing to make up for a possible loss in passing efficiency. So that's why I'm a little bit off Aaron Rodgers. He is the first quarterback in Tier 3 for me. He's also got some medium risk. I say medium only because of the the possible outside shot that he gets traded to a different team at the midpoint of the season, which I don't know if he's going to work out something with no trade clause with Green Bay, but that's what I would be doing if I was Green Bay. Think about it. You get halfway through the season, you don't think you can win the Super Bowl. You know, if you don't think you can win the Super Bowl, that's the only reason you should keep him is if you think you can win it. If you don't think you're going to win the Super Bowl, trade Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos, for example, because they've got pieces all over the place. The only thing they need is a quarterback. But at this point in time, the season's halfway through. The Broncos have a bad record. The pick that you're going to be asking them for is going to be higher in the draft order. Then you give them Aaron Rodgers midseason. Boom. You're getting better picks because you didn't trade him early in the season, but you're still getting some out, something out of him. Plus, not having Aaron Rodgers on your team for the latter half of the season means you will be worse. It'll be easier for you to tank and your pick will be higher. So you're getting two higher picks by doing that strategy. Anyways, that's basically why I have Aaron Rodgers at medium risk at quarterback 13. And if you don't want to take the shot, don't take the shot. But I know I am. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, if he plays, if he could hold on to the starting job, which I think he can, and I'm not saying that Mac Jones didn't look good. Mac Jones did look good for sure. But Cam Newton has the best, and as Mac Jones would as well, obviously same team, has one of the best schedules for quarterbacks in fantasy. Just look at the division. The Jets' defense, the Bills' defense is okay. The Dolphins' defense is actually pretty good. But if you're looking at those matchups, they're not scary, plus he's got an easy one in the Jets. And the rest of his schedule is fantastic, fantastic. Plus, he's got a huge upgrade in weapons compared to last year. Now he says he's finally healthy. His shoulder has healed. Believe it if you want or not. I don't really care. I believe it. I just, watching his body language, watching when he was talking about it, they're pulling up the play, showing what he's talking about. I believe him. I think, and you could tell in his throwing motion, that his shoulder feels a lot better because he doesn't look like he's throwing the ball the same. And I mean that in a good way obviously, because he wasn't really that great of a thrower the past few years. But he's got the legs. He's got the rushing touchdown upside. Led the league last year with 12 rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks. Stands to show that if he plays the whole season, he could probably do it again. And he's got Johnu Smith now, Hunter Henry now, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. He's got a whole bunch of weapons that were not there before. So Cam Newton, I like him a lot, and he's got a super easy schedule. He's got huge upside. So there you go. There you have it. Justin Fields is my quarterback 14. I do not think it is possible for a NFL head coach to look at Andy Dalton and say, yes, yes, this is what we have been looking for. Andy Dalton, our savior of the franchise, when you have Justin Fields sitting right next to him. When you have Justin Fields, who looks like a freaking dude, he's got a great build. He's got mini Cam Newton build to him, and he's more accurate than Andy Dalton. Andy gives you rushing upside. I don't imagine that you could look at him and then look at Andy Dalton, the red rifle, and say, 
you know what, Andy Dalton, you are our starter for the season. Now, maybe Matt Nagy is going to actually follow through just to keep his word and start Andy Dalton week one. I'm pretty sure they're playing the Rams week one, which would not go well for Andy Dalton. It will be a very perfect game for him to lose his job. And then Justin Fields, they ride off into the sunset with. Plus, if you're Matt Nagy, you got to know you're on the hot seat. If your team is not doing good, which it will not do good with Andy Dalton, if your team is not doing good and you do not play the rookie quarterback you just drafted, you are 100% getting fired. So even if it's just to save his job, Justin Fields is going to be on the field early. And he's got good rushing upside, obviously. He is probably the third fastest quarterback in the league. He ran a, what was it, like a four? It wasn't like official, I guess, because it wasn't at the combine. But he ran like a 4-4 or a 4-4-2 or something, hand-clocked by a whole bunch of different people at his pro day. So he's already showed that he's got elite speed. He was running pretty well in the preseason. I think it was like five carries for 33 yards. And I I don't remember if he had a touchdown or not. So that's my bad. But Justin Fields, he's got the arm strength. He's got the running ability and he's got the accuracy. He's also got Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. So pretty good situation. I mean, decent at least. So I like Justin Fields. He's my quarterback 14. Quarterback 15 is Trevor Lawrence. The reason I have Lawrence below Fields, despite the fact that we know Lawrence will start the whole season, is for the simple reason of Justin Fields is probably going to run a little bit more, and I feel like Trevor Lawrence might struggle because of that offensive line. Now, Justin Fields' offensive line is not much better, but all you got to do is turn on the tape from preseason week one, and you will see Trevor Lawrence under pressure continuously. I think he got sacked six times. And that wasn't like he played less than a half. So it's definitely something to worry about there. Because if the offensive line is breaking down so fast that he doesn't even have the opportunity to get out the pocket and run, we have a problem. So that's why I have Justin Fields slightly above Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence does have a really good schedule, though. And I have him projected for about 25 less fantasy points. So about one and a half points per game less than Justin Fields. Big Ben is at quarterback 16. By the way, Fields, Newton, and Lawrence, all three of those guys, I find myself drafting those three so far and Stafford and Tannehill. Those are the five quarterbacks that I'm finding on my teams in redraft leagues so far this year. Big Ben at quarterback 16, it's really just a volume play. He's going to throw the ball so much as they have, and it's actually going to be less than usual. Last year, Big Ben averaged 19.1 points per game, and by the way, guys, as always, I don't account for turnovers because in points per game and stuff like that and in projections just because of the fact that they are super different from league to league. So just keep in your mind, you know which quarterbacks, you guys are smart enough, you know which quarterbacks turn the ball over a lot, which don't. Just keep that in mind. But Big Ben, 19.1 points per game last year. I haven't projected for 19.1 points per game this year. He's going to pass less because of Najee Harris, but his passing efficiency should be a tiny bit better He's coming off, you know, two years off of that surgery now, so should be better. He looks a little bit better. Tua Tagovailoa is my quarterback, 17. I think he's going to have a rejuvenated year. Joe Burrow at 18. This is probably one of the hotter takes for me. Joe Burrow is being drafted around quarterback 12. I don't see it. You guys heard it already on the last podcast, right? 
He's not. I said he's not going to be a top 12 quarterback. Again, a lot of reasons why he lost some rushing upside. His offensive line still sucks. And even if he gets better, you're losing so much possibility with the rushing. And he wasn't even all that great last year. So at 19 points per game last year, and I have him projected at 18.9 this year because of the loss of rushing. And he's in a tough division with the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns, who all have very good defenses six times a year. No thank you. Matt Ryan at 19. I don't know what everybody's obsession is with Matt Ryan. So many of my even close friends that are very knowledgeable in football think Matt Ryan is a really good quarterback. He's not. He's he's good sometimes. All right, I'm not saying he's really bad. He's probably average. I would say he's probably NFL average. And that's not really saying that much because, I mean, look at the quarterbacks we've gone through so far. Big Ben is probably only slightly worse than Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan, anyways, he lost Julio Jones. Kyle Pitts is not going to make up for the loss of Julio Jones in his rookie season, guys. So don't be thinking that that's the case at all. Plus, he's inheriting a coaching staff that likes to run the ball way more than what he's used to. And if they do so, yes, it will help boost his efficiency because the run game will set up the play action. But he's not going to throw the ball nearly as much. So it's kind of a give and take there. Matt Ryan's got a yellow schedule, so it's pretty close to green. Still not somebody I'm interested in. He lacks upside, and who knows how low his floor is. Ryan Fitzpatrick is, this is all, by the way, Tier 3 still. That started with Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton. Ryan Fitzpatrick is at quarterback 20 for me. He's definitely a high-risk player, and he doesn't even have a super high upside. Now, can he give you, like, top five quarterback numbers? Yes, but over the course of this entire season, Ryan Fitzpatrick has not played or started an entire season in forever, and the last time that he did, he wasn't very good. He's a lot better when he's got somebody breathing down his neck trying to steal his job, and I don't know if he has that in Washington. He does have good weapons, though. He's got a decent coaching staff over there, so I could see you taking him. I think he's a nice QB3 in Superflex leagues, but I'm not too interested. He also does have a very good schedule, though. Look at Dallas. No defense. Look at Eagles. Their defense is struggling. The Giants have a good defense, so I'll give them that. Lastly, to finish off this tier, I have Daniel Jones at the quarterback 21 spot, end of tier 3. This is not even attributing the turnover problem yet. If you consider how much he fumbles the ball, then Daniel Jones might be even lower for you, and you might prefer a Baker Mayfield or a Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins. So since we've been talking about a couple guys, and I haven't said if I'm drafting them or not, since Tua, Tua I'll take here and there, but not too often. Since Tua, I'm not taking Burrow at draft price. I'm not taking Matt Ryan. I'm not taking Fitz, really. Not taking Daniel Jones. Unless you need some super safe, super stable quarterback, I'm not taking Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. Baker Mayfield, same thing, no thanks. Carson Wentz, no thanks. So the only quarterback really that's left that I am taking a shot at is Trey Lance. Because if I was, if you told me he's going to start 14 or 15 games of the season, he would be at quarterback like 15 for me, right between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. And Justin Fields would only be above him because Justin Fields would be playing one or two games more. So I really like Trey Lance. He's also got a green schedule, so that's great. It just depends on how long he takes to see the field. But in redraft, he could be a top eight 
quarterback reasonably once he does take over the job. And if you have room to hold that potential on your bench, do it because why not? So Trey Lance is pretty much the last quarterback I am taking and landing on my teams in redraft. The other one would be Deshaun Watson, but that's super, super high risk and high reward. Yeah, of course, but you know, you got to pick your poison if you want to take that shot or not. So that's the quarterbacks. Now we're going to get into the running backs, but first we'll take a quick break. What's up, divers? Do you guys enjoy a good workout like me? Well, guess what? I've got the perfect nutrition for you, and that is Built Bar. Go check out BuiltBar.com. Guys, I have tried every single flavor to this point. I've got some rankings for you. Here are my top five favorite flavors that are in the 18-pack, their standard rotation, not any holiday or special event items. My favorite is banana bread, followed very closely by coconut. I really like the peanut butter. That is my third favorite. Toffee almond. Ooh, that's a nice one. And cookies and cream. Those are the top five flavors if you guys want to try them out. If you haven't, why not? Why have you not tried these out yet? These are amazing. I have them after every single workout paired with, actually, their vitamin packs that give you 100% of your daily vitamins. Guys, I'm not even eating vegetables and fruits anymore. I don't need to. I'm getting all of my vitamins and then some in a pack that comes out to less than a dollar a day. Are you kidding me? You're spending more than that on fruits and vegetables. Plus, it takes time to eat that. I'm somebody who thinks time is money. So I just like to mix that stuff into my water. Check out Built Bar. Use my code Deep Dive to save 10% off and get the nutrition side of working out added in to the hard work you put in the gym and get max results. All right, and so we continue on to the running backs. And there is one man all alone, all by himself. Don't be the silly guy who takes the chance for no reason to not take him if you have number one overall. Take Christian McCaffrey, all right? He has such an advantage in value over replacement. Now, remember, for Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback won in my projections. I said you on a weekly average should get two points more than your opponent at that position. Well, using the same type of formula and everything for the running back, Christian McCaffrey is going to give you a six-point advantage per week at that one spot versus your opponent's average RB1. So he, he by far is the best pick, irregardless of format. So that's why I love Christian McCaffrey, plain and simple. I mean, the only argument you can make to not take him number one, in my opinion, is if it's a tight end premium and you want to take Kelsey. Because you'll see Kelsey on the next episode. He is the second highest player in terms of value over replacement after Christian McCaffrey. So Christian McCaffrey, he's averaged 30 points per game over the last 19 games. He's an absolute beast. And it's going to continue. There's no reason for it not to continue. So don't overthink it. Take Christian McCaffrey. At number one, he is in the hot pink tier all by himself. Tier two, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, and Alvin Kamara. I have two people in this tier, possibly, that most people are going to disagree with. And that's Austin Eckler at RB3. For me, he is my RB3 in points projected, and he is my RB3 in rank. And then Najee Harris, who is my RB, 
let's see, RB6 in projected points and RB6 in rank. So those are two that are way higher for me than most, so I'll spend more time talking about them. But just to talk about Dalvin Cook real quick at two, he's got a decent schedule. It's yellow, so second best thing after green, right? He is my number two running back. I'm assuming full health during my projections, but he does carry medium risk because he always seems to miss at least two games. Austin Eckler at running back three. It's based off the receptions. He, for me, this year will see 90 catches. Last year, and remember, this was in a very short amount of games. In only 10 games, he had 54 receptions. And now he's got Hunter Henry being gone Austin Eckler should be great for receiving purposes for PPR leagues. And I'll give you this. I'll propose you this. The one thing that has held Austin Eckler back from being a absolute top three potential to be the number one running back stud for fantasy is touchdowns, total touchdowns. Last year, in those 10 games, he had three total touchdowns. He has never been a big touchdown guy, but... Now I propose to you the fact that we have the Saints coaching staff taking over the offense, taking over the reins for the Chargers. And Austin Eckler is very similar to Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara, as a running back, led the NFL or was super close to, I don't remember if he actually was number one, but I know he was like top three, led the NFL in carries inside the five. And he's always been great with touchdowns, and he gets red zone targets. Austin Eckler, if he gets used the same way, you could see him go from never having more than like six or seven touchdowns on a season to all of a sudden posting 12 or 13. I only have him projected for 10, but it gives him this great potential, plus his schedule, super easy. He's got a very easy schedule, so that's a plus as well. I love me some Austin Eckler. He was super Super consistent as well last year. He scored at least 10 points 89% of the time. And he scored at least 15 points 67% of the time. So that's really good. Ezekiel Elliott is my RB4. I do think he's going to bounce back with Dak. That's going to make a huge difference. Also, the offensive line is going to be healthier. Also, Ezekiel Elliott lost weight. Trimmed down. Should get some speed back. Don't think he's going to lose any like contact balance or anything of that sort. So Ezekiel Elliott should be locked in. Touchdown potential is there. He was a little bit lower on the touchdowns. I think that's going to go back up to normal. I've got him at 14, projected over a 17-game season, so just under one per game. I think he's going to be great. He's my RB4. Saquon Barkley is my RB5. He loses out on receiving with all the weapons that are now in this offense. Also, he doesn't have as good of an offense as Austin Eckler, Ezekiel Elliott, and Dalvin Cook. So it's going to be harder for him to have the potential to score a whole bunch of touchdowns compared to those guys. That's another thing that's holding him back, along with the injury, the recent injury history being somewhat concerning. Najee Harris at RB6. This is the one you probably want me to really explain. He's going to get a whole bunch of carries, and I'm talking a whole bunch. The Steelers do not like committees. They never have. Najee Harris, I have met 283 carries. That's a good chunk of change right there. And I also have him, this might be a little high in your mind, but we'll talk about it, 72 receptions. Last year, the Steelers threw the ball to the running backs less than 10% of the time. 
When Le'Veon Bell was last on the Steelers, he got 20% of the targets by himself. By himself. Not the running back position, by himself. Najee Harris, his NFL comparison for me before he got drafted by the Steelers was Le'Veon Bell. He's very similar in a lot of ways. He's also got a similar build. He has the hesitation, and he's a great receiver. A great receiver. You can look at his interviews. You just type his name on, on YouTube and type in like interviews, and you can see all the beat reporters in his area talking to him, all the team reporters saying, hey, man, you had so many great catches. You could find those catches as well on YouTube, Twitter, whatever. He's been great, and he's doing exactly what I would have expected, what I would think he would be doing, and he's got a very easy schedule as well. He's got a green schedule. Him and Eckler are the only people in Tier 1 or 2 among the running backs with a green schedule. And I already had them ranked highly before looking at schedules. So that's awesome. So Najee Harris, overall, I have him at 72 receptions. I think they're going to throw the ball to the running back position more. It might hurt. It's It definitely will hurt either Juju or Deontay. One of them is going to lose out on a lot of targets. I initially pegged it as Deontay. I don't know, I might be moving more to 50-50 between the two of the receivers who are going to lose out, but Najee Harris will be involved in the passing game. Then we've got Alvin Kamara at 7. If you want to take him, he's in the second tier, right, and the only person was McCaffrey. So if you want to take Alvin Kamara as the second running back off the board, I'm not going to argue with you. But we've got a lot of questions. Which quarterback is starting? If Jameis is starting, how much will he actually throw it to Alvin Kamara? He doesn't really throw to running backs much, at least not in Tampa. But it made more sense because in Tampa, there weren't very good running backs that could catch the ball like Alvin Kamara, and there were very good wide receivers. It's the exact opposite this year in New Orleans. Plus, if Taysom Hill starts, Alvin Kamara, we know he'll get targets, but Taysom Hill is going to take away touchdowns in the red zone because he's a gimmicky guy and he's going to run a lot in himself. So we've got a lot of questions there with Alvin Kamara. That's my main concern. Plus, the offense as a whole is probably not going to be as good as it has been the past three, four, five years with Drew Brees, especially with Michael Thomas missing time. Derrick Henry starts Tier 3 for me at running back 8. Then, at running back 9, it's Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor at 10, Antonio Gibson at 11, DeAndre Swift at 12. That is my Tier 3. So there's five guys in that tier. Two of them have atrocious schedules. Dark red. Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift. Derrick Henry, though, we'll talk about him first. He's my running back eight. First one to start off the tier. I have him for 15 total touchdowns, almost 1,800 rushing yards, just over 100 rushing yards per game. And I knocked down his efficiency because that's what we always see from running backs that post 2,000 yards the next season, they always drop by like a yard per carry. So, and I don't have him dropping nearly that much because I think Julio is going to help his efficiency a lot. Plus, that offense is going to be really good, so he'll still have plenty of scoring opportunities. He's also got a decent schedule, yellow. Aaron Jones, this is a tricky one because I see the argument to put him into Tier 2 with all the other guys. But I do think that the offense is probably going to be less funneled to Aaron Jones in terms of the receiving game because despite Jamal Williams being gone... They also added Randall Cobb. They added Amari Rogers. Devin Funches is looking all right. Apparently, MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, the fellow USF Bull, go Bulls. Apparently, he's been looking super good and has solidified himself as the number two wide receiver. We'll see about that. Plus, Tanyan's role might grow. All of these things are going to be contributing factors to Aaron Jones, probably not getting as many targets as he should be getting. And 
with A.J. Dillon's role possibly growing, and maybe he'll take a few more carries at the goal line and take two or three touchdowns off Aaron Jones' plate. That's why I have him at nine, but I understand the argument. Also, the super bad schedule doesn't help. Jonathan Taylor at running back 10. The Carson Wentz injury, that sucks, and it sucks more than the offensive line worries right now in terms of health because there are plenty of running backs that do good with bad offensive lines in fantasy. There are, but it's because the offense is still functional. I don't know if the offense is going to be functional without Carson Wentz with whether it's Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger or somebody else. I don't think it's going to be a very good offense because they've got a aging, about to fall off a cliff, T.Y. Hilton, a Paris Campbell who has never stayed healthy ever in his NFL career, Michael Pittman who's good but only one guy, and an offensive line that's banged up. So I don't think Jonathan Taylor is set up for success as much as we want him to be. And he does have a really good schedule. Keep that in mind. It's a green schedule. So I'm kind of paying attention to, hey, when is Carson Wentz? What's his timeline? When he's going to come back? But Jonathan Taylor, RB10 for me, there's no way I could ever see myself taking him over all the guys we've talked about so far. And I might even take my running back 11 over Jonathan Taylor. It's a close one, super hard for me to rank between these two. Antonio Gibson, he really might take the CMC workload jump. I'm not saying fantasy jump into being the RB1. I'm just saying he could see the workload jump. Christian McCaffrey from year one to year two with Ron Rivera in Carolina saw a 100-touch increase. That's a lot, and Antonio Gibson could easily see that himself. J.D. McKissick is just a guy. Antonio Gibson was a basically wide receiver in college. He is better than J.D. McKissick in the receiving game. J.D. McKissick got more than 100 targets last year. If you take half of that and give it to Gibson, Gibson is going to be an absolute beast absolute beast he also has a good schedule and the offense should be better than it was last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick because make fun of the guy all you want for being Fitzmagic one play and Fitztragic the next but that man knows how to move the ball down the field he also knows how to give it to the other team but he does move the ball downfield and that's going to help Antonio Gibson get scoring opportunities and he was already super good in terms of touchdowns per per chance or per touch, which yes, that's going to come down naturally. And you could look at it that way. And that is true, but it's probably not going to come down too much because Fitzpatrick is going to help them get to the end zone more often than what Alex Smith did last year and the other stable of quarterbacks they rotated. Lastly, in this tier, I have DeAndre Swift. It's very tough at this point to decide how much targets he's going to get, how much targets TJ Hawkinson is going to get, and how much targets Amon Ross St. Brown, who's looking really good apparently is going to get it's tough because they're all going to be closer to the line of scrimmage and that's not going to be the entire offense it will be a good amount and all three of those guys could realistically be okay but I think we're pegging TJ Hawkinson to be much more than that which means somebody's going to have to lose out I don't think it's DeAndre Swift DeAndre Swift is one of the best receiving running backs in the game and he was also pretty good last year if you consider the situation 4.6 yards per carry last year Good job, DeAndre. Good freaking job. The one thing that really scares me is the schedule and the fact that their offense is going to suck, so he's probably not going to have many opportunities for touchdowns. He, out of everyone we've talked about so far, has the lowest projected total touchdowns for me. That's Tier 3. Now getting into Tier 4, it's a really big one. 
from running back 13 to running back 22. It's almost the entire RB2 section. You can order these guys however you want, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire starts it off for me at running back 13. He's got a super good schedule, as does Nick, as does, sorry, Nick Chubb, who's my RB14, and J.K. Dobbins, who's my RB15. All three of them have great schedules. All three of them are projected within seven points of each other over the entire season for me. All three of them have their pros and cons. Clyde, the pros, receiving. Cons, Mahomes is going to take most of the work in the red zone. Chubb, con, lack of receiving. Pros, he takes, uh, well, first off, he's super efficient, and then he takes a lot of touchdowns. J.K. Dobbins, and he's on a run for steam. J.K. Dobbins, also on a run for steam. Pro, offense will be good. Pro, not going to get targeted much. Con, Lamar Jackson steals touchdowns. Con. So, all three of these guys have pros and cons. You buy into who you want to buy into. They were all pretty good. Clyde and Chubb both were super consistent last year. Both had at least double digits 91% of the time. Chubb was even more amazing because he had 15 points or more 73% of the time. So, and that's much more. That's double what Clyde had. And both of them far outpaced J.K. Dobbins in terms of consistency. So that's why Dobbins out of the three, that little chunk of three is last for me. Then continue on in the tier, we have Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Chris Carson. All three of these guys are within seven points of each other as well. In fact, they're all within seven points of the first three. The first three just have better schedules and I feel are a little bit safer. Joe Mixon, it's more likely he gets hurt than the first three guys we talked about. David Montgomery, maybe Tariq Cohen hurts him a little bit more and his schedule's not as good. And Chris Carson also has injury risk and has a bad schedule, red schedule. So that's why those three are kind of after the first three, even though all six of them are pretty much rejected around the almost exact same Point total for me, which happened by chance, not on purpose. Let's talk about Joe Mixon, and then we'll keep going. Joe Mixon, I feel like everyone is fading him, and his ADP is low just because he's hurt people in the past. Look, it's not like an X, okay? It's not like people don't change type of stuff that people talk about in the real world. This is fantasy football. This is football. There are contributing factors. There's context. And also, in the real world, people can change. Maybe. I'd like to think so. But... Joe Mixon is definitely not applicable to that type of situation. Joe Mixon has been struggling because offensive line issues and not getting targeted. If he gets targeted more or and, and not being in a good offense at all, if the offense steps forward, if the offensive line gets better, or if he gets targeted more, any of those three things happen, or he could just stay healthy, then he will be much better. Last year, people crap on him. Last year, 16.9 points per game. Ah, Brandon, he had 40 points in one game. Okay, he only played four games. Who's to say that wouldn't even out and become consistent throughout the season? Because Joe Mixon has had really good seasons and really good weeks back-to-back-to-back in his career. He just gets hurt. So don't overthink Joe Mixon. Don't, you know, kill him just because of the past. I have him super inefficient, and he's RB16 for me. I have him at 4.1 yards per carry. That's the worst mark out of anybody we've talked about so far in my projections. It's actually the worst mark out of my top 21 running backs. So... And by, like by a lot. And it doesn't matter because he's going to get a huge workload. He always does. He gets like 80% of the running back carries. Giovanni Bernard is gone. He had 59 targets. His target share is up for grabs. Yeah, I think another running back is going to come into play for receiving. But Joe Mixon should get at least 
a good amount of what Giovanni Bernard had in the receiving game. So Joe Mixon, I like him. Don't overthink it. He's a pretty good RB too. David Montgomery, he's going to be in a good offense if Justin Fields takes over. It might hurt him a little bit in potential like volume because Fields might run more. But you could also make the argument that it'll help his volume because Fields will be better. The offense will stay on the field more. Total plays will go up, which gives Montgomery more opportunities. Plus, the offense will be better and in the red zone more often. David Montgomery will have a better chance at getting touchdowns. So arguments can be made both sides, but I think Fields would overall be better for Montgomery compared to Andy Dalton. Chris Carson, for me, he's stable. He's really good. You know he's going to be good. If he can just stay healthy, that's really the only thing. The Seahawks love to run the ball, so Chris Carson is a plug-and-play RB2. Miles Sanders is my RB19, continuing this third tier of or fourth tier of running backs. I keep forgetting because Christian McCaffrey's is his own tier, so this is technically tier four. Miles Sanders is in a frustrating situation at this point because he is going to be sharing carries with a running quarterback, and he's going to be sharing receptions with one of my favorite or receiving work with one of my favorite running backs in the class Kenny Gainwell and maybe Boston Scott so it's going to be hard for him to get a lot of volume even if he's super efficient and the offense is not going to be super super good to the point where he's going to be getting a whole bunch of touchdowns to make up for it Miles Gaskin at running back 20 it's hard to tell how much work he's going to get and where he's going to get the work Malcolm Brown might steal red zone maybe Salvin Ahmed will take like 30 40 percent of the work who knows? But Miles Gaskin was super efficient last year. He was very good. He was the best in terms of receiving metrics. But if you pull out some of the bigger plays, then he was basically average. So overall, he's got a good schedule. So that's also a plus. Overall, I think he's going to be a back-end RB2. After a bunch of guys get injured, he'll probably be like a top-end RB2. Assuming he's not one of the guys that get injured. Josh Jacobs at running back 21. He is... In a bad situation, Kenyon Drake is going to take some receiving work. Kenyon Drake is going to take some rushes, and he has a really bad schedule. He had 15.7 points per game last year. That's going to go down. I have him at 13.8, and that's where he lands at 21, RB21, so not very good. Mike Davis, RB22. A lot of people like to put him at like the 17 range above some of the guys we've talked about so far. I don't think Mike Davis is good. I think he did good in a limited opportunity, but I don't think he's going to sustain it or keep it going for a season. I I just don't see it. He has never really done much at all with anybody in the NFL. He was never very good, and I don't, he wasn't even good as a runner last year. I mean, last year he only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. Trash. He had a high catch rate, sure, but I mean, I don't really see him just, he's not a good running back. And that offense is not going to be amazing either. So, well, I'll take that one back. Depends on your your term, amazing. But like, it's not going to be like a top five offense. Mike Davis will be in a decent offense, though. I just it's hard for me to draft somebody that I think could get replaced by Javian Hawkins or by another running back on the depth chart because they don't have much invested into him. I think it's only like what was it like a two two year deal for six million or something. Like, he costs them barely anything. So, lack of investment means easily replaced, in my opinion. Darrell Henderson, running back 23, he starts the next year. So, Mike Davis finishes Tier 4. Tier 5 is the, the probably the last tier we'll stop at. I'll give you some names after that. But, Tier 5 starts with Darrell Henderson, running back 23. Then, Javonta Williams. I really 
am liking Javante Williams more and more and more. You guys already know I love him as a talent. You guys know that I like the team, and I think it'll be good for him. The only thing holding him back is Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's hurt right now. Javante Williams looked really good in the preseason, so I'm pretty excited for him. I wouldn't mind taking him above Darrell Henderson, Mike Davis. Honestly, his potential, if he just absolutely takes over, is so good that you could take him over Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Miles Sanders. I would stop at Chris Carson, though. I would not take him higher than than RB19. That's the highest I would go for Javonta Williams. He also has a really good schedule. Kareem Hunt has a really good schedule. He's a high-end backup. Yeah, he wasn't superb when Chubb was out last year, but it wasn't that many games to go off of, and he's shown in the past that when he takes over and he's the RB1, he's very good for fantasy, and that team loves to run the ball. So not overthinking that. Kareem Hunt running back 25. Then we've got Damian Harris, James Robinson, Travis Etienne. That's how I finish out that tier. Not really too much to say about any of those guys. Then I'll just give you the little lowdown on the rest of the running backs and we'll be done. James Conner is my running back 29. Then Chase Edmonds. Then Trey Sermon. Ronald Jones. David Johnson. Oh, that needs to get changed. I need to change that to Mark Ingram. Uh, I didn't actually project the Texans. If you guys didn't listen to that episode, that was one of only three teams that I didn't statistically project. So that's why I can actually just swap names here and not have to change efficiency and stuff like that. I was just trying to imagine where the RB1 for the Texans would be at based off how Mark or how David Johnson was used last year. So now that's going to be Mark Ingram because apparently he's their RB1 and David Johnson is like third on the depth chart after Philip Lindsay. Zach Moss is after Mark Ingram for me. Then Naheem Hines, can he gain well? Decent little pickup, super, super late if you ignore running back for some ridiculous reason. In PPR, Kenny Gainwell will be a nice pick later on. Melvin Gordon, then Michael Carter. That's probably the one you want me to explain. Michael Carter is at running back 38 for me. I don't think the offense is going to be great. I don't think Michael Carter is going to get more than 50% of the work because nobody ever does that for those coaches in San Fran, and now those coaches have taken over in New York, so... If we project it to be similar, probably not going to be great for Michael Carter. Lack of volume, lack of good off uh, a good offense, and good scoring opportunities. And lastly, I'm not really a big Michael Carter guy. If I really liked Michael Carter, he would probably be a lot higher, but I don't. I think he's kind of overrated. So with that said, that's pretty much what I got for you guys. We'll talk about sleepers, busts, and stuff after we do the next podcast, which the next podcast is going to be the positions we ignored today wide receiver and tight end. Thank you guys for listening. I apologize for the nasaliness. Hopefully I'm done soon here, but have a good one. Drop a rating, drop a review. Appreciate it. Peace.